Chelsea Fairless. And welcome back to Every Outfit. Hi, Chelsea. Last week, I couldn't get enough of you. This week, I didn't see you at all. No. I. Uh... What did I do to you? <laughs> well, it had nothing to do with you. It was more like I had to channel my inner Charlotte York this week because I was responsible for throwing a baby shower, which I've never done before. So it actually wasn't as harrowing as I thought it would be. Really? I was throwing it for one of my oldest and dearest friends who lives in Northern California where I grew up. And because we still have a lot of friends from high school that live there and she has a lot of family, I could delegate most shit. Like I didn't deal with any like food or beverages or anything. I just like was the decor queen. And unlike Charlotte, when she got the flower arrangement for Miranda's funeral, there wasn't a floral debacle or anything, was there? No, my mom did the flowers pretty much. It was cute. But I did, like, I had to get, like, six helium tanks. I blew up, like, 200 balloons. I made Tat put together one of those, like, influencer balloon arches that they always have at their baby showers that look like the coronavirus. You know what I'm talking about. But it was cute. But, yeah, what have you been up to? I missed you. I mostly caught up with people who are not you. Jealous. Lots of dinners. I went and saw the new Bond film. That sounds boring. It was. It was three hours <laughs> of, and i still not sure what the villain's plot is. Don't get it. Feel free to slide into my DMs and try to explain what Rami Malek was trying to do. Besides just have beady little eyes. <laughs> Sorry, uh... that was mean. I don't want to eye shame him. Yeah, as someone who has Gollum eyes like myself, <laughs> Gollum eye representation in film. Uh, I was getting gas on Monday, and I think I found the career that I was destined for. Which is? So I get gas at Costco, because it is 50 to 70 cents cheaper. Because you're a cheap-ass bitch. Okay, yes. Tell me something I don't know. So, of course, there's a long line because everyone else with a Costco card wants that cheap, cheap, sweet gas. And so they have to have these. They're not gas attendants because you pump your own gas, but they have to direct traffic and they yell at you and they go, 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 red car all the way down. (laughs) And I think you'll agree that I need a job that like can channel all of the anger I have inside of me. Totally. And a job that I think sanctions yelling at people and is production-based, right? You're making sure everything flows as as efficiently as possible. I mean, it intersects all the things I enjoy. Totally. I mean, I think you'd make more money being a dominatrix or something, but... Fair enough. But it's either like the Costco gas station job or you're like that. You know who else has that energy of screaming at people? I just know this because I just took a, I just got on a plane. The people that are like explaining to you how to take shit out of your bag and that the laptops need to go in the trays, like when you're going through security at the airport. Oh my God. You know how there's always one that's like really on one? Anyway. Uh, so um, this is my last day doing the Every Effort podcast. <laughs> I've applied to Costco. But Beautiful. O- only as Bye, a- bitch. I'll do this by myself and things will get really <laughs> dark and unhinged. 
And and I'll have no one to edit it, so it'll just be like a stream of consciousness nightmare. You'll be like John Waters when he first started making films because he didn't know how to edit films, so he thought everything had to be done in camera. Yeah, except without like John Waters' like ironclad instincts. I think you'd do okay. <laughs> Moving on. In Sex in the City news, Sarah Jessica Parker and Chris Noth were spotted filming in Paris, the city of lights. Noth or Noth? I have no fucking clue. Mr. Big, that guy. We all know him. Some of us love him. Back in Paris. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see Carrie back in Paris because she did not seem to like Paris in the season finale. Is this Michael Patrick King's way of apologizing to the French tourism board or something? Are we finally going to get the final baguette (laughs) pun joke in there? Do you think he was listening to our podcast and he was like, you know what? (laughs) You know what this this reboot is missing? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you, of course, know that the penultimate scene of the series occurred in Paris where Big confesses his love to Carrie. And we've seen throughout filming kind of callbacks more costume wise. But this is kind of one of the first story callbacks, although I guess Natasha is a story callback in a way. Well, it feels like a fashion callback, too, because she's wearing an Oscar de la Renta dress that has a very similar silhouette to the one that she wore when Alexander Petrovsky took her to the opera where she fainted. Right. And she's also carrying a crystal encrusted Judith Lieber handbag that is shaped like the Eiffel Tower that she wore when her and Mr. Big went apartment shopping in the first film. That was the I can build you a bigger closet bag. The hottest line any man could ever say to a woman. Yeah. Can we all just also just note, because there was a Yahoo article that was like, a fan theory is running wild that Carrie is spreading Stanford's ashes in this scene. That's the darkest thing I've ever fucking heard, for one thing. I mean, this is the era of journalism that we're living in, clearly. When a whole article is constructed, not even from a tweet or a series of tweets like we're used to seeing, but from literal comments of fans speculating. A comment said this. And look, I used to write articles for websites. It was paid by how many clicks a story got. So I get it. But so go off in style. You you did something, but there has really dark. There has to be another way. And also she doesn't even open. There's not an urn. What is this? The the Justin Bieber video with Diane Keaton, (laughs) which we'll get to in a second. No, I think the inference is that she's carrying Stanford's ashes in the Judith Lieber Eiffel Tower bag. Ooh, that's super dark. Anyway, I wonder if we're obviously towards the end of filming, or I hope so, because it's supposed to premiere in December. But I wonder if this might be a scene that opens the series instead of potentially ends the series. Yeah, or it could be some sort of flashback, although... Moving production to Paris seems like a lot for a flashback, but who knows? HBO Max has got the money. Yeah, they have the money for sure. Or maybe it's not even, they're just throwing us off. That would be genius. Who are they, the makers of Scream? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you, do you think Carrie is going to enjoy Paris this time? 
I hope so. It's a fabulous city. I mean, this time, I hope she brought her laptop so she has something to do besides wander the streets of Paris and go to all the same museums like five times. And she's not there seemingly in January, which is when she was there the last time or the first time for her, which is not the greatest introduction to the City of Lights. No. In other Sex in the City news, our girl Britney Spears posted a very lengthy Instagram post this week about sex in the city. It was pretty fabulous. I mean, I'm kind of like, should we just give the handle of our Instagram over to Brittany? Well, now that I'm leaving for greener pastures at Costco, <laughs> I think it's the time to kind of pass the pass, pass the, the torch. Yeah. yeah, Guys, can we like crowdsource getting Brittany <laughs> to sit down with us to talk about an episode of sex in the city? Uh, if only. Should we read this caption because sure okay so the image is a selfie that Britney has taken of herself or a disturbingly close-up photo that someone else has taken of her she's forced her boyfriend to take of her yeah and she has a fresh rose that she's turned into some sort of Carrie-esque choker I'm deciding whether I should read this in a Britney voice or just I question whether that's a good idea maybe just your that, own voice. I don't know. Just Surprise that, me. That speedy Britney Spears voice that she has now. If you swipe, you will see that I have a ways to go before I get to Carrie Bradshaw's flower representation. Now, are we reading the emojis or just... I think we have to skip over them because there's just so many. It's a series of face reacting emojis and the shrug symbol, which is my favorite emoji personally. But I do love Sex in the City era of how Carrie could enlighten each episode with the girliest, coolest, sexiest, crazy, sophisticated wardrobe known to mankind. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. She literally made every woman in America open their eyes in the most refreshing way. Eye emoji. I mean, it wasn't boring at all. Dot, dot, dot. She made clothes fun. A bunch of clothing emojis and a lot of exclamation points. I mean, I'm not surprised that Britney connects with the rosette because Britney seems like a romantic. She seems like someone that watches the notebook a lot. And I think the the rose is a very romantic symbol, right? Britney is definitely someone that believes in soulmates and past lives and has a kooky sense of style as well. Totally. But did Carrie literally make every woman in America open their eyes in the most refreshing way? It depends on what you think is refreshing. If you enjoy her style, which we do, then yes, definitely open our eyes to, oh, you could dress this way. But what Brittany is not factoring is in is the fact that, as we've learned so painfully, that only Carrie Bradshaw can dress this way. Totally. She opened our eyes to something that we can just never be. I think it did open my eyes in a refreshing way, but I think half of that was just the novelty of seeing designer clothes on television, not just worn by models and by actors like in sort of red carpet or editorial situations, you know? So funny you should say that because maybe you should read the next part of the caption because... (laughs) Okay. A lot of thoughts. Um, I'm not going to do it in Britney voice. It seems like a lot of her pieces were made specifically for her, so you can't really buy them anywhere. But she definitely inspired me, star eye emoji, exclamation point, exclamation point. That was years ago, and I do believe Betsy Johnson played a huge part in her wardrobe, exclamation point, exclamation point. Believe it or not, when I bought my first apartment in New York, guess who lived down the hall from me? Betsy Johnson. She would come in late at night with four girlfriends laughing and giggling out loud with huge flowers on their clothes flower emojis. I will never forget it. Okay, so one, to your previous point, 
the whole point of Carrie's wardrobe is that it wasn't specifically made for her. It was literally stuff you could buy it on the runway. And certainly if you were Britney Spears in the early aughts, you could have had Carrie Bradshaw's wardrobe. Yeah. Second. She's definitely confused Betsy Johnson with Patricia Field, which I'm sure happens all the time. They're kind of like the Bryce Dallas Howard and the Jessica Chastain of the New York fashion world, right? Like, I'm sure that low-level PR girls get them mixed up all the time because they're both women in their 70s, not afraid of a little color, wacky. Some unfortunate intern is definitely given a PR person at a fashion party, you know, those sheets that they get with the photos of people. It's definitely been swapped. Yeah, the sheets wouldn't even help you out if you just didn't know what the fuck was up and you saw one or the other. So do you think Britney Spears lived next to Betsy Johnson or Patricia Field? I think she probably did live next to Betsy Johnson, but she thought that Betsy Johnson sang. was the costume designer for yeah. Sex and the City. I think I think that's what happened. What's weird is you would imagine that Betsy Johnson's style, the designer, would have been foundational in Carrie Bradshaw's early season wardrobe, but it's not until the last season that Carrie actually wears a ton of Betsy Johnson. That dress that Carrie wears in a woman's right to shoes at the loft party is Betsy Johnson. Okay. That fringe vest that she wears uh, in Catch 38 when she's sitting with Samantha at the, in the exam room is Betsy Johnson. And then she wears Betsy Johnson twice in uh, American Girl in Paris. That pink bustier that she wears in Dior when she falls is Betsy Johnson, evidently. And then when they go to the bar, when she's at the bar with Petrovsky and everyone starts speaking French, that nude top with the pink feathers is Betsy Johnson. Okay. Well, now we know that Patricia Field and Betsy Johnson don't have some sort of weird rivalry. Although that would be fab. Oh, wait. Britney's caption isn't over. Hold on. Let me finish it. <laughs> I know my rose is not sewn on correctly as a necklace, but hey, there's a first time for everything. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Anyways, I will watch the fourth season tonight and pretend I'm right there in the story with her. Jeez, when she lights up a cigarette, I will too. I feel like we are all girls wanting to have someone to look up to who will inspire us. Yet it's very hard because there will always be someone prettier, smarter, and skinnier. But if you look at life like Carrie's clothes, you will see perfect is boring. Um, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> I want to be different like Carrie. P P S P S Beyonce and Carrie both inspired Project Rose. Okay, I want to be different like Carrie said every Charlotte ever. Very true, but also it's like, Brittany, you at the same time inspired a whole generation of girls who looked up to you. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, when Carrie lights up a cigarette, I will too, is the realest shit ever. I mean, that reminds me of when I would watch the DVDs in college and just chain smoke for hours. And then I remember feeling really betrayed when she quit smoking. And for a man, that must have made you very yeah. duly upset. And yeah. the man was aided at that. Yeah, terrible. Also, not to be a bitch, but... Season three is when she wears the rosettes, not season four. Or maybe she watched season three, was inspired. Yeah, now she's on season, season four. four. Okay, exactly. I got, it. I got it. Exactly. Um, Is Project Rose one of her perfumes? Project Rose is giving me major hashtag Rose Army vibes. <laughs> Which would be the hashtag that Rose McGowan used for many years on every single tweet. I assume Project Rose is just what she's calling her DIY flower choker, but it seems like it could be a broader operation. 
I like this fantasy. Speaking of fantasies, Justin Bieber has a new music <laughs> video. <laughs> we did not see this coming. When you sent me the photo of Justin Bieber and Diane Keaton walking on the beach at sunset, one, I thought it was a Vogue editorial. You know how they will take like hot actors or hot musicians and pair them with models? Yeah. I was like, oh, I... This is an interesting take on that. And then when I realized it was for his new music video, I was like, oh my God, that's such a genius thing. They're lovers. I know. Well, okay. Is it just me or is there a little sexual tension in this video? Like when they go out dancing and stuff, I was like, oh, this is going to be some Harold and Maude shit. I love this. For those who have not seen the music video, it is Justin Bieber is the son of Diane Keaton and some old guy who... No, it's, he's, it's grandson. That's his grandmama. Oh, that's his grandmother. That's his grandmother. Where are the parents? Why is the he parents so are not represented? OK, anyway, the grandfather <laughs> or father dies. He's sitting next to consoling Diane Keaton at the funeral, which is why I assumed it was her son. No, he's a good baby grandson. I think this is the first music video that I've seen that has like a, a 30 second preamble and then it cuts to a two years later and then the music video starts. <laughs> yeah. His, his grandmama, mom, or lover, we don't know. <laughs> is, she's, she's depressed over this death. Of her husband. And so Justin Bieber takes her out for a night on the town. Well, first he rocks up with like a Gucci garment bag and like a hat box and is like, come on, grandma, we're going out. Which she's definitely not wearing Gucci. No, she's scene. wearing... Okay, so Vogue wrote an article about this this video, and they said that she's wearing her own Comme de Garçon Of course, as she always dress. does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that... I always wonder about Diane Keaton's relationship with stylists and costume designers. Is she bringing her own shit to set? Are they just fitting her at her house? So invariably, they're like, Diane, do you have any giant belts? Like... I think she is maybe the only person who, as an actor now, her personal style, I think, dictates the costumes at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last movie where she didn't at least have some sort of menswear look. Like, wasn't like, there's movies like, what was that one where she started a cheerleading squad at the retirement home? Pom-poms? I think it's called that. I don't know what the fuck it was called, but she didn't have a full Diane Keaton look, but she still was like, she'd never wear a skirt. I don't think there's been a movie that's really transformed her look since the 90s. First Wives Club? Even First Wives Club, she had some menswear moments. What, what's that, that Maybe like Father of the Bride. Marvin's Room? <laughs> I don't remember anything from Mar Marvin's room apart from that part where she got a spinal tap. Palms. I was not Palms. incorrect. Yeah, that's that's what it was. She's fabulous, but I, I think there's sexual tension. And I would have much preferred this this um, to be about that, which would still work with the song, right? It could be like from Harold's perspective after, spoiler alert, Maude's death. Do you think we have a chance in hell that like Ted Sarandos or someone at Netflix saw this and is like, you know what? I'm going to buy the rights to Harold and Maude and we're going to remake it with Justin Bieber and Diane Keaton. <laughs> It's rare that we see things that are actually transgressive. As much as people try and sort of manufacture these pop culture moments, they just don't happen all that often. And something like that would be major. Uh, do you think that Justin Bieber will now make it into Diane Keaton's Good Men Instagram videos? 
I hope so. But I hope this time she finds a high-res photo of him, which should be easy enough because he's Justin Bieber. If you guys are not following Diane Keaton on Instagram, I give you permission. Stop this podcast. Although you can keep listening and go into the Instagram app and follow her. Because you get to see wacky videos of her in her closet trying to go to Goodwill several times. Like, there's a legit IGTV video of her trying to go to the Goodwill and it just being closed all the time. And she definitely has a social media person that's, like, forcing her to do little bits, you know? Oh, I think that's all her. This is a woman who literally published a book called The House That Pinterest Built. Which is a terrible title because she has much better taste than the word Pinterest connotes. And also I feel like Pinterest connotes a very specific aesthetic that isn't necessarily Diane Keaton's aesthetic. And she's recently been posting these videos that include low-res pictures of actors she's acted with or knows in her life that she qualifies as good men. And I just want to say, I'm very insulted that Keanu Reeves was not included in, the, in those videos. But Mel Gibson was. Oof. Whatever, she loves a problematic man. Oh, right. <laughs> the Woody Allen affiliation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. Chelsea, I have a question for you. Hmm. Do you like scary movies? Yes, I do. Especially the Scream franchise, which has been very close to my heart ever since the first film came out. And now this week we got the trailer for, okay, it should be Scream 5. Like it's the fifth Scream film, but it's just called Scream. Why? Scream again. It's not a remake of Scream 1. It's not so much so that it's basically like... Nev Campbell walks into a room and is like, all right, guys, I've been through the screaming, so let me tell you how Scream is going to go. She's not quite yet to that Jamie Lee Curtis level of living in the woods and being heavily armed, but she's on her way. Well, she finally has a smart idea to bring a gun to a knife fight. <laughs> the, the Scream 5 teaser trailer debuted. It's coming out in January. Thank God we don't have to wait a tremendously long time. You and I saw the fourth film together. Yeah. The fourth film was great because I think three is the weakest link. Although I think I need to revisit it because I think I only saw that once where I've seen the other ones many, many times. I love Scream 2. Not as good as Scream, but... Scream 2 is incredible. I have a... Laurie Metcalf. (laughs) Spoiler alert. All right. Here's what I got from the Scream 5 trailer that the attacks are all on people related to the original killers. Right. Stu's house, where the party happens at the end of Scream 1, that seems to be a big set piece in the film. I've noticed... Rose McGowan's final resting place. (laughs) Hashtag Rose Army. (laughs) It would appear that Dewey and Gail are divorced. Right. What do you think Sidney Prescott's career is now? Because in Scream 3, she was a helpline caller, hotline person. Scream 4, she was a successful author. I think she... She should have a talk show. If Sydney Prescott existed in this world, ooh, or a podcast. Okay, no one is less charismatic than Sydney Prescott, though. Let's be real. Her energy is not correct. I mean, I think she's probably just written another book right. about her experience in Scream 4, which just seems like an easy explanation for how she's making a living. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that made the Scream film so brilliant and unique and an outlier for its genre was the amount of self-referential things in the film. So I wonder if there's going to be a reboot of Stab going on in Scream 5, because Stab was the film within the film from Scream 2 and 3. 
I also am really excited about some of the new cast members, which are actresses we really like. Mikey Madison from Better Things. She was also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Obsessed with her. If she dies, I'm going to be very upset. Same. And Melissa Barrera, who was the star of Vita, which is a show that I really love. And she was also in In the Heights, but I never saw that. She's really fab. So I'm excited about them. Who is the Drew Barrymore, though? In that opening scene? Yeah, like who? I don't know who that is. Maybe they're going for a reversal. It's not a famous person. It should be a famous person. So the Scream 5 trailer opens up with a kind of spiritual sequel to the Drew Barrymore opening scene from Scream. With all the updates you would expect, right? That now you can control your door locks from your phone, but they keep getting unlocked. But I don't think anything will match the terror of that opening scene of Scream. Because Scream has like the level of horror I enjoy. I do not like a torture porn. No, of course not. Well, for one thing, they're just like terrible to look at. They all are stylized in the same like nasty way. That's just like... Genuinely, having recently rewatched Scream, that opening scene where Drew Barrymore is killed, it's when her parents drive up. Oh. And they pick up the phone and her mom's like, I can still hear her. I can still hear her. I forgot. Like that sent chills down my body. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to match that kind of horror. No. Well, that was just so shocking. Uh, Speaking of very famous people who die in the first scene of, of an iconic horror film. Did you see what Jamie Lee Curtis wore to the Halloween premiere? Uh, Yes, there was a nod to her mother. From the film Psycho. Yeah. But she wasn't just wearing Janet Lee's costume in the wig. She was carrying a bloody shower curtain. Just in case you didn't get it. Yeah. Over her arm like she was a Celine model like dragging a mohair blanket or something. It was very chic. Well, I've also noticed uh, via TikTok that a go-to costume is the slutty Patrick Bateman costume. What does that look like? You know, it's like a white crop top or you take like a dress shirt and crop it and a tie. And then you have the, you know, the clear plastic rain jacket and then you have a little oh, blood okay, on okay. you. Yeah. I can and see your that. hair slicked back. Right. In case anyone's wondering what I'm going to go for for Halloween. <laughs> Speaking of new horror, shall we talk about Squid Game? Sure, sure. Which we finally fell prey to public pressure and have watched it. Yeah, totally. I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably know that we are currently in the midst of Squid Game Mania. It is a brutally violent Korean show that debuted on Netflix last month and is now apparently their most watched series which is crazy. To be fair, with Netflix, it feels like every month is the new, like, no, actually, this series is the well, most Well, it series. was Bridgerton, and now it's Squid Game. Yeah. How far are you through? Because I watched the entire thing I'm in a week. Th- I'm three episodes from the end. I'm on episode seven. Okay, so you survived the most brutal of all episodes. And by brutal, I mean emotionally, which is episode six. I was surprised because shows that have this much hype, you're usually disappointed by by the time you are watching it. But I was pleasantly surprised at how complex the storyline is. It is. I mean, for those of you who don't know what it's about, long story short, all of these desperate people that are deeply in debt that voluntarily agree to play these deranged children's games where the cost of losing is death all for the entertainment of billionaires wearing jeweled masks. Like, it's pretty fucked up. 
So it's a documentary. It's a documentary. It's an anti-capitalist horror spectacle. Do you think this was funded by Bernie Sanders? Is all <laughs> part of the socialist agenda? I mean, that would be really cool. Well, it's also visually and like the production design is more stylish than your average horror film, television show, what have you. It's kind of like the cell in that respect, although visually it doesn't look anything like that, but it does feel much more sophisticated. And without going into too much detail, what's the scariest scenario for you so far? Because they have to play all of these games and they're all stressful and disturbing in their own, right? As someone that doesn't have a ton of upper body strength, the tug of war thing scared me because I would have lost. Like, to be fair... I'd be dead in Squid Game immediately. Oh, this is what I wanted to bring up in Scream because I thought about this while watching Squid Game is I'd be like, just kill me. Honestly, I'm not going to survive this. I know my chances. I would like to die first. And I've always wondered that because the film Scream was my introduction to kind of horror films was what if you just said to the killer, like, kill me? Because that's the whole thing is they get off on the fact that you're terrified. But if you were just like, you know what? Stab me. You're right. They get off on the resistance. So maybe because Squid Game does have interesting rules, I would be let go because I want to die so much. I mean, I'd die in the first (laughs) round. I would not make it through red light, green light. Although all of that infrastructure, this hidden infrastructure, this is such a movie and television show conceit from like Batman to Christian Grey's secret like BDSM room. It's like, who were all of these contractors that built this stadium, basically? I know, like who's building this insane stairwell that looks like some Memphis-like explosion? Or did they just murder all the contractors? Probably. I think any film or television show that's about really high-level organized crime, like secret billionaire shit, is just inherently fascinating. There's nothing not fascinating about it. You know how Bill Gates and a bunch of these other billionaires have bought land in New Zealand? Do you think that's where their squid game is going on? They definitely have some sort of squid game. Um, Watch Squid Game? Yeah, definitely watch Squid Game. It's real. It's riveting and brutal, but it's fabulous. And I am certain that that one chick, if she isn't already a Louis Vuitton brand ambassador, oh, it's yeah. going to happen. Hoyan Jung, who gained 15 million Instagram followers in three weeks. She has the most beautiful face. And she's a great actor also, obviously. And also how brilliant for this show to premiere only a few weeks before Halloween. Totally. Everyone is going to be Squid Game. Well, I'm slutty Patrick Bateman, as we previously established, but you can go with Squid Game. Well, we know that everyone's going to dress as this for Halloween because sales of those van slides that the contestants, the slip-on shoes that the contestants wear is up like, what was it? Did you read about this? Yeah, 7,800%. You know what I'm also excited for for Halloween is for people to start sending us their Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw costumes. Totally. Yeah, please. If anyone does Sex in the City stuff, send it to us. We always like putting those Halloween posts together. For anyone that wants to do a Squid Game Sex in the City mashup, just put it out there. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Big is like the guy with the... With the snake tattoo? No, I was about to say the guy with the... Um, the I don't know how to mask? describe The black mask yeah. guy. Well, that is Chris Knopf. <laughs> that is Mr. Big. 
In other gothic news, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly are sharing the cover of GQ magazine. What's amazing is this editorial has taken over the news cycle and it's not even American GQ, it's UK GQ that had the genius idea to put these two people that are the answer to what happens when you watch too much true romance as a teenager. Totally. The cover of their magazine. How are they on the cover of British GQ before Rolling Stone? Because it's such a Rolling Stone, 90s, 2000s, Rolling Stone energy. I'm not sure why they're on the cover other than they just are. Rolling Stone would rather pick put the most awkward photo of Olivia Rodrigo and Alanis Morissette on the cover than just hire David LaChapelle again and just like make the best photo with Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. I saw this on Instagram and I forget who said it, but it was such a brilliant thought which is that none of us actually care about Megan Fox and and Machine Gun Kelly and what I would like to add to that idea is that we don't but it has that same fucked up watching a car crash energy as Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton well and Pam and Tommy which they're very literally modeled after I mean Machine Gun Kelly is playing Tommy in that Motley Crue he Biopic. was in the in the dirt. Yeah, it would be if Pam and Tommy did ayahuasca and went to therapy and knew each other's zodiac charts. Yeah, I just want to know, like, why on one of the three covers is she pointing a gun at his dick? Because no one else can have that dick. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to blow this dick off before anyone else touches it. Also, we know through Tat that you know, in styling jobs she's done, especially for editorial magazines, that there can often be a disconnect between stylist and the photo team. But why does Megan have no pants in any of these photos? Like, did that get lost in the uh, styling notes? She just hated all of the PVC thongs and micro minis that they, they brought for her. I mean, she looks hot. That much I will say. They're hot people. And I like this this messy love story. I love when people are in love, even if it's obnoxious. I know nothing about Machine Gun Kelly. If Megan Fox put that gun that she has on at Machine Gun Kelly's dick to my head, it was like, name a Machine Gun Kelly song. I'd be dead. I'd be, we'd be dead. But, you know, when he starts talking about she's really made me open myself up and look at my trauma and all of this. And I was like, wow, I'm really starting to like him. And then it's like, but you wouldn't want to have been at our house last Saturday with like the demon sex we were having. And I was like, and I'm back to (laughs) not knowing how I feel about these two. Well, my favorite quote in the profile was when they were just, he was describing their first kiss. And he said, even our first kiss, she wouldn't kiss me. We just put our lips right in front of each other and breathed each other's breath. And then she just left. Like, that is the kind of shit that only happens in lesbian period dramas. So I'm very, very intrigued. Oh, that's what I'm going to start doing on dates now. I'm not going to kiss anyone. I'm just going to put my mouth and just (laughs) start mouth breathing on them. Uh, Did you appreciate that part in the profile where they're listening to the Shangri-La's leader of the pack? I did. Which I know is And then she's like, can you put Mazzy Star on? Another artist who I love. He says Mazzy. And the reporter thinks it's a rapper. And no, it's Mazzy Stars faded to you. My favorite quote is when he start, when he talks about his childhood and he goes, I came from broken homes and I watched love never work. Then I grew up where in pop culture, they don't make romantic movies anymore. What do you mean? They do all the time. Or they at least did when he was growing up. Talk to Colson about it. It's Machine Gun Kelly's actual name. Uh... Can, we, can we also discuss Megan Fox's caption? 
to promote this? Sure. Do you want to read it? I feel like I need to read it like Stefan because it feels like something out of... Sure. Go for it. 2021's hottest love story has everything. Feverish obsession, guns, addiction, shamans, lots of blood, general mayhem, therapy, tantric night terrors, binding rituals, chakra sound baths, psychedelic hallucinations, organic smoothies, and the kind of sex that would make Lucifer clutch his rosary. I don't think Lucifer has a rosary. Maybe Lucifer, like, ironically wears rosaries. Tantric night terrors sound awful. (laughs) Are those night terrors where you're also having an orgasm? I don't know what that is. Where's the lots of blood coming from? You two have children. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. They both have kids. (laughs) Awkward. Should we just transfer to Kardashians? Because, I mean, they feel like they're part of the Kardashian family. If you can have twin flame friends, I feel like Travis and Courtney are twin flames to Megan and Machine Gun Kelly. Kardashianaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. <laughs> so Kim was on SNL this week. She hosted. I thought she did a good job. Me too. I mean, for a non-actor, certainly. Yeah, she was glued to the cue cards, but like I couldn't have done better. I would have been the same way. Yeah, she was she was more nervous than I thought that she would be. And I feel like she was a little stiff throughout the first half, but she pulled it together ultimately. And yeah, I think she did. I think she did a good job. I mean, she and she did the most important thing, which was dragging her family. Yeah. However, Kanye has a few notes. Because you knew Kanye was involved in this monologue because she says at one point, I married the best rapper of, of all time, sure, and the richest black man in America, which isn't true. Who's the richest black man in America? Vista Equities' Robert F. Smith remains the richest black man in the U.S. worth an estimated $6 billion. Oh, so he's way richer than Kanye. That's not even like... Yes. Okay. Which is why it's very clear that Kanye... So he's was playing like- Squid Game, whereas Kanye's not on Squid Game level yet. Do you think Kanye's mad that Yeezys were not a part of the Squid Game outfit? I know. Kanye would live to be the art director, the artistic director of Squid Game. I'm surprised there wasn't a year doing Amazing Sweetie reference. Yeah. But yeah, the opening monologue was good. I was surprised they went so into OJ Simpson. More out of respect for Nicole Brown's family, but whatever. It was... uh... Not great and not needed. Like, you could have had the OJ in the people's court sketch and cut the monologue joke. Yeah. One or the other. Two felt uh, a little heavy-handed. Yeah. But what did you think the best sketches were? Well, you know I loved Skims for Dogs. And I was truly touched by the amount of people that sent me screen caps of it or photos of their TV. It was very cute. Because you have an English bulldog, and in the in the sketch, an English bulldog is wearing Skims. Yes, and I'm also a huge Skims fan. So it just shows that people know me, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I thought the People's Court sketch was great, where she impersonates Courtney very well. Yeah. And then the switch with A.D. Bryant, where they do a Freaky Friday switch. Totally, but I take issue with the fact that she didn't look enough like A.D. She was still, like, really, really tan. She did a really unnecessarily deep voice, which is, like, A.D. Bryant doesn't have a deep voice. No, and also it's like she should have worn like a baby doll dress with a Peter Pan collar or something. It just like I would never get A.D. Bryant from that, whereas 80 looked like Cam. The makeover worked on the other side. Yeah. And I don't think it's because with 80 there aren't enough things to exaggerate. I think there definitely are. 
I also took offense with the, I mean, not actual offense, but Chloe being like, what is this, a milkshake? It's like, if you watch the Kardashians, you know they historically eat like shit. Yeah. They definitely know what a milkshake is. Yeah. And she revived the ratings. So there you go. Good for her. And she wore many hot pink Balenciaga cat suits that were really spectacular. In Kanye news, he's been having some fun lunches and coffee meetups with some illustrious figures. In New York? Yeah. Who's watching these children? (laughs) So he was papped having lunch with Anna Wintour. Of course. Pretty cool. And also having coffee with disgraced Trump lawyer Michael Cohen. Remember him? What do you think they're talking about? I don't know. It's funny because both of these people are extremely on brand for Kanye, but like on opposite ends of the spectrum of his brand. And Anna Wintour, by all accounts, has such a precise schedule that do you think she's like, you know what, just block out three hours for this lunch with Kanye? Or is she like, um, actually, I need to go to Michael Kors studio. That's no, at the, at the second he sits down, she's like, yeah, I have a hard out at, at one. Like, this is it. Give me your top three points of what I need to fix with Vogue. That makes sense, though, because she's he's a very successful American fashion designer and she's preeminent fashion voice. She's she's the mama bear to all of those wayward souls. Michael Cohen, I don't it's like you can get much better lawyers than him. Like that's not maybe he's getting, you know, advice. I don't I don't know. Well, (laughs) another thing is that Kanye is selling his Wyoming ranch in Cody. So is he like getting another one there or is he just done with Wyoming? He's seemingly done with Wyoming, which is a real kick in the pants to the town of Cody, of which our friend Claire grew up there. Her mother's ranch, actually, that she just sold, was next to Kanye's ranch. Yeah. Uh, And he promised a lot of things to this town that he was going to make it this manufacturing hub for, uh, for Yeezys and didn't. So does that mean all of those poor Yeezy designers who came from like New York, London and Paris ateliers who like one moved to Calabasas and then one day Kanye was like, we're all moving to Wyoming. I assume they're back in Calabasas now. Yeah. Now they all have to get valley houses again so they can commute to his Malibu cement bunker. His girl with the dragon tattoo house. In other house news, Kim, I guess, officially is keeping the Calabasas home. Yeah, she bought it from him, I guess, outright in a cash deal, which is classy. Did you see this clip that's making the rounds where it must be some web exclusive thing after Kim was on Ellen DeGeneres where she's answering a bunch of questions and one of which is like, is there something mean that your children say to you? And she reveals that when her and North fight, North makes fun of the house to insult Kim. That's so fucked up. Because can you imagine living in a house that major? That's like squid game level tragic. Although to be a child and have to live around all that white, I could see it going the way of, uh, you know, Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, but you're surrounded in beauty. You would think it would give you more of of like an intrinsic appreciation. Not if that's all you know. You think this seven-year-old has perspective? (sighs) Yeah, she'll probably, like, get some, like, nasty apartment and give it a shabby chic makeover or something. That's how they're going to rebel against their parents. (laughs) They're just going to be the chugiest shabby chic children ever. 
yeah like chicago will just like give his house like a full jonathan adler beat uh did you did you also hear that north desperately wants to be an only child which has two only children we can appreciate yeah I could see North having like a good son, orphan, bad seed moment. Speaking of horror films, the bad seed. Yeah, I'm sure Jordan Peele is, uh, Jordan Peele can remake the bad seed starring Northwest. Oh my God. Could you imagine a children of the corn, but with all the Kardashian children, children of Kardashian Jenners? With their Yeezy foam runners. (laughs) In Hidden Hills. (laughs) Uh, Lord. So that's it, Chelsea. A lot of Kanye news. Yeah. When they officially divorce, are we going to have to move Kanye news to Hot Topics or? No, I think once you're in the family, you're in the family. You can't get out. Yeah, exactly. Thank you guys for listening to another ep. Rate, review, cyberbully your friends into listening to the Every Outfit podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.